Well, welcome to the podcast. And I've got a very special lady. You know, I get a lot of pictures when it comes to coming over and coming on my show. And then sometimes you get a pitch and it just jumps straight out, straight out of the computer and says, you know what, I need to do interview this lady. She is absolutely awesome. She's taken over over a 100-year-old business, and it was always run by men. So you can imagine that type of business in America. And she's absolutely made it awesome. She's kicked butt when it comes to how much she's increased it, and it's still going very strong. And she's used that same passion to actually help young ladies and women. Welcome to the show, Debbie Page. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. And thank you very much. I, I do feel like uh, what a special, special honor to be here. So thank you. That's okay. Just for our international guests, where are you living at the moment in the States? I'm in New Hampshire in the United States. Yep. Yeah. Up in the New England area where we finally had a first day of spring yesterday. <laughs> well, we're doing the opposite in Australia. We're starting to head towards our, uh, our winter. So I'm very envious of you. Oh. Did you always live in that area? No, I, I like to tease and say I live in New England with a Southern accent. I grew up in <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> so when I've been in the South for a while, that Southern accent starts to come out a lot more. Yeah, I know when I've traveled in the States, you do notice the Southern accent very quickly compared to the rest of America. Yes, yes. So did you, would you have a big family, small family? What did you, where were you? So I grew up, I was the uh, second daughter and there were a total of four of us yeah. of the children and it was a lot of fun. We had, uh, I had one brother. Yeah. We always called him the golden boy. We felt like he got the special treatment from mom. Well, if you had to put up with all you ladies, I'm sure he did. <laughs> no, really. Oh goodness. She just wanted to make sure we never beat him in any of the games. Cause she said that would be bad for his ego. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I would tend to agree when I was growing up, you never let a girl beat you. Oh, that's so true. Yes. Now that now they can beat us at just about everything. Oh. So did you go to uni or did you uh, just go and get a job and get married? Well, my plan had been to go to, to med school yeah. and I was going to do that when my mother uh, convinced me that I should go to nursing school instead. Yeah. So that's what I did straight from uh, high school. I went to nursing school. It was an absolutely fabulous school and experience and i have no regrets at all that i did that wow it was it was it the lure of looking after people or all the good looking doctors <laughs> well my mother was hoping that i'd marry a doctor that did not <laughs> that did not end up happening <laughs> oh she'd say to me every every time i'd come home well have you met one yet well mom i've met a lot of doctors but i don't see anybody i want to marry <laughs> so so how was the conversation when uh, you said to your mum, I found him, I found that special person? Oh, she was not happy. She, <laughs> she, she brought up the fact, she said, I sent you to nursing school so you'd marry a doctor. <laughs> said, well, okay, that did not happen. No. Yeah. Oh. It's, I mean, nursing is a vacation. It's, it's something that you can really, you spend more time with the patients. Doesn't matter. That's absolutely that's what I loved about it and we we get to at the time when I was in nursing school they don't do this at all anymore but as soon as a doctor came onto the floor all nurses would stand up you yes never be seated in the presence of a doctor you would start to pull his charts together for all of his patients yes and then you would accompany him down the hallway 
handing him one chart after another, you know, for all the different patients. And so very different than the way nursing is today. It reminds me, I've been in Rotary for nearly 20 years and we run a, a, a leadership program for people around 20 to 24. And we took a young doctor over one day to do it. And he has to go away for a week and it really challenges them. And he was very aloof, but that's how we've been brought up. That's how we've been taught. And then I went and saw him at the end of it. And he looked at me, he said, how mean have I been? And I said, what did you, what do you mean? He said, we would go in as doctors into the theatre and we would treat the nursing staff quite bad. He'd had an epiphany. And he said, after doing this, I now realise the nursing staff are part of our team. They're not below oh, us. And I thought, wow. Yeah. And he'd been brought up that way. Mm. And look at the change, you know? Yeah. Yes. I'll never forget the time that I was working at the hospital. I was already out of school and we had a new group of residents coming mm. in. And this one particular resident came up to me just because I happened to be the one right there. And he said, I want to learn from you. He said, because oh, wow. you already know far more than I'm ever going to learn in med school. I want to learn from you. And I thought that was so beautiful. And he turned out to be one of the most incredible doctors because he had that genuine spirit of how can I learn from the nurses and yeah. how can I serve my patient? So fast forward a few years, uh, how did you end up being the CEO from a nurse to a fencing company? I mean, now really. The only thing in common between nursing and fencing are the gauges. Yes. <laughs> but much bigger gauges with a fence than with a, a needle. But what I had started my own private practice as a lactation yeah. consultant, and I was loving that. But what I was realizing, I was loving growing the company. Yeah. So I, I went, I went into, into my husband's office and I said, honey, I have a great idea. And he said, what's that? And I said, I'd like to come to work for you and for Louis Page. And he said, what? Now, Duncan uh -oh. and I had a marvelous, marvelous uh, relationship and marriage and friendship. And, and he said, oh, I don't think that's a good idea. He said, I don't think husband and wives should work together. And I said, oh, I think it would work out just fine. Well, he, no, no, no. He sort of dismissed it. Fast forward about nine months or so. And mm -hmm. my brother and his wife had come to the lake with us. And all of a sudden, my brother says to Duncan, hey, I want to come to work for Louis Page. Went. My brother had corporate sales history. I mean, really very mm. good uh, track record as a salesman. So Duncan said, well, I think that's a great idea. Uh -oh. And then my brother says, well, I'm only going to come to work for you if Debbie's coming to work for you too. Well, I had never even said a word to my brother. I didn't know he was even thinking about it. And, and Duncan said, really? And he says, yep, we're going to be the dream team. Well, so that's how I ended up starting to work for, for Louis Page and worked with the company for four years mm. before Duncan passed. Yeah. And then the, the ownership of the company passed to me. Wow. That's, uh, it's sad, but it's also uh, very encouraging because one, you backed yourself. And ladies, of course, have always been told just to, in the old days, especially, to take a back seat. And um, I mean, thank goodness that's changed now. I think it's fantastic. Oh. What was it like when, before you became a CEO, 
what was it like going into, and I've worked in those businesses where they are male-dominated and they don't listen to outside opinion, they don't listen to everything to what one of the girls from the office says. How was it when you first started working there? Was it just, oh, it's the, it's the boss's wife, we better be polite, but we're not going to give her any respect? Well, that was part of it. And yeah. actually, the one of the main people at the company who is still with us today, she started in 2000, she did not like me at all. She was not happy at all that they had brought the boss's wife on. Wow. And, you know, and I had to learn how to, you know, accept who she was, but mm. to also, you know, also be forceful in the sense that there were certain changes that I saw that needed to, to come about. Mm. And Duncan was very open to it. He, he had just utmost respect for me. And I knew that I'd known that for all those years. And, and I over actually overheard him say to somebody, Debbie will run this company better than I will one day. And that's true. And that yeah, that I, happens. Yeah. It, 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 yes, it actually has happened. And, and uh, cause he, he didn't have a passion for it. Oh, no. He had grown up in it. He had worked in it for, yeah. by the time he passed, I think he'd been there for 45 years, I think it was. And he was sort of burned out with it. Yeah. Whereas I came in with fresh blood and, you know, I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. So, so you're in middle America, male dominated, very, very historic business and mm-hmm. it's uh, processes and how it does and how it treats people are ingrained. I mean, they're, they're, they're part of the, the wire that makes up the fences. Yeah. What was your biggest challenge when you saw change and how did you break down those barriers to make it happen? Well, I think part of it is what was happening is right at the same time I came on, we were really switching to a, a predominantly online business, hmm. which is very different from the old days when the farmers and yes. the ranchers, they were all yeah. walking in and placing their orders and they wanted to talk to Duncan or they wanted to talk to Marty. Yeah. They did not want to talk to a woman. No. And we had, we had one customer, Joe, who just absolutely refused. Nope. I'm not talking to a woman. I will only talk to he, at that point, he would only talk to Marty. Yeah. Well, then Marty passed. Then he would only talk to Duncan. Well, finally Duncan got him weaned over to Terry. And, uh, and so he started talking with Terry, but yeah, some of the, but then there were others, these, Oh gosh, it just warms my heart to think of some of these farmers who've been farming by that point, you know, 50 years, maybe even longer. Mm. And they would walk in and they would be delighted to see women. Cause I yeah. think most of their days are spent, spent with their animals. Maybe, I don't know, but they yeah. love to see, see women. So I, I didn't, I really didn't feel like that was a huge challenge for me. Mm. Um, I, I felt like that it, it went, that part of it went pretty easily. Hey, what about internally with, with the staff? Like when you took over, you obviously saw change that needed to happen. I mean, if anyone looks you up, a 45% increase in the business oh. isn't by just selling a couple of extra fences, isn't done by just changing your supplier of wire. That, that's a seismic shift. That's a, an amazing achievement. What happened? Well, I know. And just to add to that, my CFO said, he said, Debbie, he said, in a company this old, you never see double digit growth. 
absolutely you do not see double digit growth. And so we had that 45% increase last year and we're on track this year already. We're at 25% over and above that. Oh, wow. So I'm like, Whoa. And that's with having a huge shortage of a product because of the supply chain. So, um, oh, and now let's see, what did you ask me? I've what, what was your biggest challenge when it came to, you saw change when you were the CFO, we spoke to the CFO. I mean, he's already put a roadblock up. You're, you're now the boss. You've got to change. What did you actually change to turn it around? Or how did you handle it? Because, you know, that's very different from being the husband, watching the husband do it, and now you're the boss. It's Everything's on you, their job, their livelihood, and a hundred-something-plus-year-old yeah. business. All that weight's on your shoulders. Well, one thing that I, I came from a service industry and a, and a, and a nurse yeah. with a real heart for serving. So sure. when I came into this business, I said, well, that's what it's all about. We need to serve our customer. Hmm. We need to really make sure we take excellent care of our customers so that they in turn become our raving fans. Yes. And when I looked at some of the systems that they had in place at that time, they were, did not even have the capability of emailing the estimate or the quote oh, over no. to the customer. It was all printed out. Oh, you want a copy of this? Okay, well, we can mail it to you. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. not in 2011. Yeah. No, we can email that. Well, that system didn't allow you to do that. I remember I got on the phone with, the, with our, our sales rep for that company. And I said, oh, this is way too archaic. Do you not have anything more modern? Well, I didn't know she had been the creator of the whole company and the founder of the company. I would not have said that to her, but we ended up changing uh, our systems. We changed completely and it made all the difference in the world. Because then that way, as soon as we created the estimate, we could just zip it right over to them as an email. And that's a cost saving too. Oh, absolutely. Time and and time saver. Yes, yes. Did you, did you have any staff decide I'm out of here? Well, actually what happened was when my brother and I took over or not took over, I shouldn't say that. When well, we first- I'll, I'll also <laughs> qualify that. Is there any staff you decided they were out of there? That, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> we, my brother and I spent the whole first week at the house. We had printed out every single report we could print out. And then we went through everything, everything, mm. everything. And we said, okay, we've got to unfortunately eliminate this person. We have to eliminate this person. We had actually had to eliminate about five people. We didn't need them anymore because especially since we were mostly selling online, mm-hmm. that greatly decreased the amount of manpower. And I, I hate that in the sense that, you know, I, I don't like to eliminate jobs by any means, but, but of course, Duncan was the one that needed to do the elimination. I, I didn't actually have to go in and say, I'm sorry, but you know, we're no longer going to have you here, but that's how it happened. So we really narrowed it way down to just a, you know, a few people. And, and then those people were happy to be there. And, you know, so yeah. If you look back at it now in those first, say that first six months to a year, you, you become the boss. What's your biggest lesson you learned? Well, are you thinking after Duncan had passed? Yeah, after Duncan had passed. Okay, after Duncan had passed. Because it changes the dynamic. It changes how you think. You've got to look at, you're thinking of your husband that you're missing. You've taken over a business and now you've got to turn it around. Yeah, I had to get over myself. And I remember I had this 
marvelous acupuncture who she was Chinese and I loved her dearly and she had loved Duncan dearly. And so she had been very involved with us, you know, throughout mm -hmm. Duncan's um, cancer process and everything. But anyway, I went into her to see her and it was probably about uh, two months after Duncan had passed. And she said, she's all cheerful. She said, so how's the company going? I said, oh, I hate it. I hate it. I just want to throw it away. <laughs> and, and you know what she said to me? Too bad. True. And, I, and it was true. I thought, oh, I'm just being a spoiled little brat here mm. who's mad that my husband is dead. And now I have to run the company. And I thought, well, if I'm going to have this attitude, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And I had to work harder on myself than I worked on the business. Yeah, it took me a while to get my brain and my heart in gear with, okay, this is a gift that ha has been given to me. And I am going to do everything I can to run this business with, with love and service and, and take great care of our customers and grow it as much as I can. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but do you think it was harder for you because you're a woman coming in with the staff and the customers? I mean, you've told a story about how the, some of the customers behaved, but you're a truly inspiring lady. But do you think it was, you, you had to like prove yourself twice? Back then? Well, well, you know, I, let me just tell you this little story that I, I still laugh when I think about it. My, this was when Duncan was still alive and, and mm -hmm. my brother was still working with the company. And um, my brother had gotten a call from a woman in, in New York who was wanting to buy a special order product. And he was trying to explain to her, that's fine, but you're going to have to put a deposit down. And she was pitching a fit. She was not happy about that. Rick couldn't get anywhere with her. So he said, well, hold on. Let me just let you talk to the owner of the company. So he passed her on to Duncan. Duncan couldn't get anywhere with her. So he said, well, hold on. Let me he put her on hold. So the two guys get together. They come into my office. They say, okay, you're taking over this customer because we can't get anywhere with her. So I get on the phone with this customer. There was a bit of a language barrier, at least a, a really heavy accent. And I'm talking to her. I can't get anywhere with her at all. And I'm explaining all this to her. And finally, she says, I could tell she was exasperated. She said, I've got to talk to my boss. And then she, she called me back. And she called me back. And I said, and he, she said, no, my boss says we cannot put a deposit down. I said, well, we cannot ship the product without the deposit. And she just blurted out, oh, Debbie, you are driving me crazy. Well, without thinking about it, I said, you're driving me crazy. And I was like, oh, I cannot believe I'd said that. Uh -oh. Well, then we both started, we both started dying laughing. And within, within about 30 seconds of that, I had her credit card in the deposit. Well done. Well done. <laughs> so so we, oh. we, get, we get a lot of ladies um, listen to the podcast. And they're going, they'd be going to themselves, wow, how did you do it? How? And, and I know you do now use your experience, all this, to inspire ladies, Australian mums and women to... Uh, to change their lives for the better and to take on the world. When you look at it now, if a young lady came to you and said, Debbie, you know, every time I go to do something or every time I feel as though, you know, I'm not good enough. And there are people out there that, that do treat women that way, which is disgusting in my books. Mm -hmm. What do you say to young entrepreneur females, especially, or young women or even our wives who have had to take over their husband's businesses because of one reason or another? How do you get them going? How do you inspire them? I think that I, I first would encourage them to challenge themselves or to find somebody that, 
who will challenge them to make a commitment because once you make that commitment that this is what you are going to do, and I think it does, it definitely takes a commitment, then you're going to get the courage. And a lot of that comes from Dan Sullivan's book. Um, But then you get the courage to go forward. And with that courage, then comes the capability and then the confidence. And then you just sort of start all over again. I, again, I say, you've got to work harder on yourself than you work on your business. It will all come. And, and for me, for instance, with, you know, trying to break through or break down the barriers because I'm a hundred percent woman owned, then I get some government contracts that other people wouldn't get. Now that is a huge confidence booster to me. That may just be in the U S but in the U S a lot of these government agencies have to have a certain percentage of of minority-owned businesses that they've done business with for any given project. So that that puts me up there a lot higher a lot of times than the male-owned businesses. That's something to really not just be proud of, but to really use that to your advantage. Did do you um we were talking before about I think you've got a summit or something you were putting together to inspire women. What was that all about? Well, um, so I was asked by by George Shepard of 360 Summits if I would take over creating and hosting his mom's summits, mm. and which really came as an absolute total surprise to me. I had not expected to have him ask me that. And I immediately said, yes. And he said, well, you need to think about it. And I said, nope, I don't need to think about that. I said, I will definitely do that. I would love to do that. And so that was about, a, a, oh, a little over a year ago. Yeah. And I, what I wanted to do with that, with the summit was that we had, we're naming it the Inspired Mom Summit. Yep. And so I wanted to inspire moms, but I also wanted to do it from a holistic standpoint. I wanted to look at mom and see all the different facets of her life that need encouragement and help and support, but also, you know, where do the children fit into this and where do her other relationships fit into it? And where do her dreams fit into this? Because so often as the mom, she is absolutely serving, serving, serving. Correct. Yes. The last thing she does is think about herself and she doesn't even remember those dreams that she once Mm. had. So what, what type of speakers did you end up getting? Oh, I had, well, I had two on sleep because I think sleep is so crucial to any person being really healthy and, and wealthy and wise. Yeah. And, um, then I had a couple of speakers on uh, different facets of uh, exercise or movement. Mm. And let's see, uh, what else did I have? Um, healthy eating and entrepreneurs, female yeah. entrepreneurs, mompreneurs, yeah. learning yeah. how to create your own business while you're still caring for your family. Yep. Well, you would think that I could just rattle them all off my head, but I can't. I think I had, a, so I think I had all total on the second summit. I had about 38 different speakers. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely awesome. And I loved it. I, I love it. And I, I look forward to the one I'm putting together now. And I've actually, it's really interesting. I've, I've actually been put in touch with people that I would have not have even thought about yeah. having for my speakers at my summits, a comedian, a, former model and yeah. an actress. I mean, all these things. So 
Yeah, you can a little bit of LA influence has come in. So, <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm putting. And it is that together on the same for... lines? Is that just a repeat of the other one, but with new speakers or? Well, it will still be the inspired mom. Yep. It will still be a holistic approach, but it will be all new speakers, all new speakers. What well, you... I say all new, but pretty much all new speakers. What would you say to a mum that's her her children now are basically going to high school? Husband's off working and she wants to chase her dreams. Oh, perfect time. Absolutely. Absolutely perfect time. That's when I started my own business. It was when my my second of my three children had graduated from high school. So she's now in college. And then that left my son, my youngest one at home. And I looked at my my life then and I thought, well, it's pretty empty now compared to what Mm. it was, because at one point I was I was grocery shopping and preparing meals for seven people. And they were all basically adults by that point. They were teenagers or, you know, older. So, and then all of a sudden here it is just me and Duncan and and my younger son, Daniel. And that's when I looked around, I said, okay, what can I do? How can I serve the world right now with the resources that I have, what my own training has been. And that's when I decided to start my practice as a a lactation consultant. So what I would encourage any mom you know, get in touch with what your dreams are. Try to remember, don't try, but just go back and start to remember who you were even before marriage. And mm. what were some of the dreams? Because some of those dreams that you had when you were maybe 18, 19, or 20 are still dreams that may be dreams that you really want to act on now. Well, they only and- stay dreams if you don't act on. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, I think a lot of ladies now don't realise that with COVID, it's really turned business upside down. And you can convert that old room that's full of junk into an office. Absolutely. And you can start your business without having to leave home. You can start your business or work for someone. You can be someone, you can be and do office accounts or anything for someone on the other side of the country. You don't have to leave home. Yes. And I think the pandemic was one of the best things that's ever happened to us from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Of course, there's not, you know, not from the standpoint of death by any means, but from the standpoint of now, people are so used to virtual and they're yes. used to Zoom and there's all kinds of things you could do. And one thing I would encourage it, any anybody who is at all interested in helping other people grow, mm. get involved in getting getting yourself certified as a coach. Because mm. that is a huge business right now. Yes, and you yes. can choose whether you want two clients or whether you want 10 or 20 or you want to do group group coaching. Yeah, it, it is. It's true. I do sales and business coaching and it's amazing. And you would see this. You can look at someone's business and you can see exactly what's wrong with it. And it doesn't matter how many times you can politely lead them down that line of, this is what's wrong. And they just can't see it or they're refusing. Yes. I know. Well, because you know what? Somebody said to me, I can't remember how long ago they said to me, Debbie, get over your own ego. I'm like, what? (laughs) But it was so true. My ego was keeping me from being able to really take off those blinders and see what needed to be seen so that I could make a difference. Most male-dominated businesses actually thrive once they throw some females in there. They I've, thrive I've on 
they thrive. They go from being average. You throw a couple of females in the office or oh. a female and a male-dominated sales team and the dynamic changes, and it always changes for the better. Well, that's really interesting. And, and, and it brings up one little point that I'll just say that when we moved our office home, and this was prior to Duncan passing, so his office is over here, mine was over here, hmm. you know, down the hall, whatever. And I set my alarm for every hour and I would go into his office and I would, I would, we'd stand up and we'd hold hands and we would just dance together really quickly, just like 15 seconds yep. just to interrupt the, that monotony sometimes that can come, especially with what he was doing with yes. working on pricing and things like that. And I saw a huge difference in him because it started to energize him mm. and and just get him more enthusiastic about the company. Here's a good one for you. What would you say to a lady that I'll take it a sales team and she's been employed as the first female in a male-dominated sales team? How would you suggest that she approach it? So, Because the guys can get very territorial and uh, most salespeople, if they smell blood, they'll go for it. So if they can push someone out, they will. And that, is, that happens. I've seen it. What would you say to her when, when she walked through the door and she's the only lady in a, in a group of men? Well, I think you're going to have to, if you're, if you're walking into a situation like that, you are going to have to smile on the inside and you're going to have to say, I am bigger than life and they Good. can do whatever they want to. But I, as we were saying earlier, I am a bulldog and I'm, and I'm going to do everything I can to, to, to grow the business and to yeah. serve the customers. Yeah. It's, I think uh, a lot of ladies, and I mean, this is an observation. They put barriers up in front of themselves that aren't there. Oh, I think so too. Yes. I think that's so true. And, and I love to say to myself, and I say this to myself many times during the day, she can laugh at the days to come. And I say that because I know where I'm headed. I have created my vision. I have created my, my future, my destiny, mm. and that is, at, is coming to me. And so it doesn't matter to me what somebody says or thinks or feels about me. Because that's not the reality. The reality is what who I know that I am and where I know I'm headed. Yeah. Do you, do you think that uh, people say in corporate America and corporate everywhere that there's not enough ladies on boards, there's not enough ladies in management, but because those ladies, a lot of ladies lose 10 years of their life, as in out of the corporate world and go and do another job, which is bringing up your family, which is just mm -hmm. as important as anything. How do we change the dynamic? to have more female representation, but built on, not because you're female, built on because you're the best person for the job. Oh, goodness. I don't know if I know how to answer that because... Because it's true. It's, I've seen them come is, in and they, they so offer true. so much. Yes. And, and my daughter is a good example of someone who is, she's working for a very large, well-known corporation mm. and she's raising two daughters mm. and she would like to work part-time, but they won't let her. And she says, mom, if I leave this job now, the chances of me getting back into the corporate world are very slim. Which is she sad. Said, and, and very sad, very sad. And then, you know what I say to, so, say to her? Well, then you start your own business. 
Yes. There's no reason that you have to work for another person. And if you've got a boss or a corporation who doesn't believe that you can do your job as well, you know, if you're working, you know, part-time as, as to full-time or working from home Mm. as to being in the office, then it's time for you to really start to think about starting your own company. It's one of, one of the, I worked for a multinational and one of the best general managers I ever had was a female. And one of my wor- my worst boss was a female. Yes, I've had both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have too. The, the general manager was awesome. She was so she would get out with the account managers, the reps, and go out for a day, unannounced, oh. not to check up on them, just to see customers. So she wasn't getting the filtered version the senior executives were giving her. She would oh, go out okay. a week before the board meeting of of her senior execs. And spend time with people just out, go into the retail arm of this business, go out and see customers with account managers, ask them questions. Then she'd ask the same question at the meeting to see what answer she got. Oh. And she actually <laughs> helped me land once a huge account. And you would have thought she won it. And she told the world. Oh, oh, and I see that's beautiful because she was bragging on you. And, yeah. and really proud of you. Yeah. And my worst boss, honestly, today, in today's world, would be fired. Oh. She was, and we've all seen it, the person who is, uh, we call them a very level-headed. She had a chip on both shoulders. Yes, exactly. Nasty. She mm-hmm. uh, pushed your confidence down until you made mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then she used to say, well, then I told you you were that bad. She was a and I and looking, I didn't understand at the time because I was too young. Yes. Now I look back and I thought, what has happened in her life mm-hmm. for that to be like that? Well, and also to even recognize that this is an incredibly insecure person. Yes. Because if she has to criticize other people in order to feel good about herself, then she feels horrible about herself. How how so true, so true. Have you ever thought of writing a book? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I have. And I am in the process of writing it and yeah. thoroughly enjoying it. And what's, have you got a name for it yet? Yes. Yeah, so Woman Emerged, yeah. uh, creating the life you love, you, excuse me, creating the life you desire. So you can become the, by becoming the woman you love. And awesome. I feel like it's super important for any person, but I'm, because I'm really addressing women to love yourself, to love yourself deeply. And then you can take care of others and you can create and dream and take action. Yeah. One, one thing uh, a lot of ladies uh, I, I hear you've done, and it's, and it's so true, is they make time for themselves, especially in the corporate world. So they'll go and get their hair done, get their nails done, mm-hmm. or do something for them, whatever rocks their boat. Mm-hmm. And then I heard guys saying, I never used to do that. I never used to go to the barber during work time or go and buy myself a shirt, copying what the ladies did. And when they start to do it, it, they, they change. They say, I become a better person yeah, because I'm showing love to myself. And I mean, it's not very masculine to say those things, but we can all learn something from the, the ladies on the other side. Yes. I think it's so important. And I, I look at my own mother who, for all of the years that I knew her, and she just passed mm. last September at just shy of 96 wow. years old. 
all those years, every Friday, she went to get her hair done Yeah, every Friday. And it was amazing. And she never thought of that as being selfish. And even she owned her own company for a while, yeah. but she never thought of that as being selfish. No, that just was what she did to take care of herself. And I bet you she got to catch up on all the gossip. Oh, yes, definitely. Oh, but she said, I do not gossip. <laughs> of course not. But did you know about Marjorie down the road? Exactly. She's been seen with the milkman. <laughs> Just like still magnolias, I tell you. <laughs> Before we wind up, what's the biggest message you'd like to give to young ladies and young mums as they are they start their career? And it is a career being a mum. It's mm-hmm. one of the most important jobs going around. Oh, yes. But they also looking to change careers. And you know what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. What would you yes. say to them now? In, in today's world, post-COVID, uh, when everything, there's well, no such thing as a norm anymore. Well, I, you know, I love the quote from Bob Proctor where he said, if you, can ho- if you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. Yeah. And I think, you know, making sure that you, you, you take time to write down every single day, even if you just write one sentence, write something that you would love to do. Yeah. As you, as you do that, you'll start to realize, oh, well, I'm going to write another sentence because, and, and you can ask the what question of what, what would be my next step? What mm. would, don't ask how, because how is not at all what we need to know. We just need to know what we need to do. The how will, will happen. hundred percent. You, you can make it happen if you want to. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And don't so- be afraid. And this, this next question is, it doesn't have to be male or female. If uh, I turn around and I, I set up a lovely lunch for you, was it? Well, who are a couple of people you'd love to sit down with and have a yak to, as we say, have a good old talk, chin wag? Oh. Anyone in the world? Oh, anybody in the world. Oh, my. Let's see. Who would that be? Well, I have to say one of them would be Tony Robbins because he's had yes. a huge influence yeah. on my life. Yes. And to be able to sit down with him would, would just be amazing to me. I'd agree with you on that one. I've, I've done UPW, so I'd love to oh, see Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And who else would it be? Oh. I love I'm answer, not... asking these questions that my uh, guests don't <laughs> I know, know are coming. <laughs> I know. Oh, goodness. Um, well, I, I tell you. I, I, I'm not thinking of a person other than Mother Teresa, who, of course, yeah, is no longer yeah. with us, but someone like Mother Teresa, who has really given her life to yeah. serve other people um, on a very low scale or not low scale, but low key. I mean, you yeah. know, out of the limelight type person. That's awesome. So if people wanted to find out, speak to you, chase up on your very inspiring story, let's be honest with you. Uh, where do they find Debbie Page? Yeah, so the best way would be to go to my website, which is mm. debbiehpage.com. Mm. And that's where you'll start to be able to, you can actually submit a little form there and I can get your email address and we communicate that way. Yep. And that way you could get on my mailing list and I could start to, you know, hear from you and vice versa. Awesome. And, and so, and if you, if I need some fencing for a farm in the States, where do I go? 
uh, Lewis Page, and that and Lewis is the French spelling L O U I S P A G E. So definitely come on over to Louis Page and let's get your fencing uh, uh, needs met. <laughs> there's a true pitch from a sea if ever I heard one. <laughs> Thank you so much, Debbie, for the chat today. It's been absolutely fantastic. And as we say at the end of every one of our podcasts, have a groovy day.